What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the WOV Life. I'm Barry Mitzman, and I would like to welcome all the WOVs and the MOVs. Yes, men, I do see you. I know you're listening, and I'm happy you're listening because you're going to get a little bit of a closer look as to what we women struggle with. And a lot of these things are just universal principles. But that's not why I came on right now. I need to have a discussion. A few weeks ago, I reshared a post by a controversial figure. And I got quite a few messages telling me, you know, if you have somebody like this on your show, you will alienate me as a listener because I do not agree with this person. What do I have to say to that? I have to say, get over it, okay? I am somebody who doesn't care what somebody's political views are or religious views are, unless it's totally and completely out of heresy, then I am actually required not to learn and associate with somebody like that. But if they are not a heretic, which each of you listeners, unless you are a well-learned person, can make that decision. If they are not a heretic, which generally people are not, and it's very hard to be put into that category. I believe that people can learn things from different people that have different views from them. If you don't believe in that, you probably should not listen to any of my interviews and just listen to me ramble. Or you probably should just not listen to me at all because I'm sure that I don't agree on some things that you believe in. I have a friend, I have numerous friends that I disagree with their views and I disagree with their life choices and it really doesn't matter what they do because it's not your life. And you know what? These amazing people who live completely different than me teach me so much. So before we get into this interview with Adina, with Flappish Girl, think to yourself, can I learn from somebody I disagree with? And if the answer is no, shut this off. My name is Barry Mitzman. A few years ago, I was able to do it all. But when illness struck, my life was turned completely upside down. The smallest of tasks became the biggest of challenges. But now that I'm on the road to healing, I ask myself, will I ever be able to once again do it all? Do I even want to do it all? WOV is an exploration of what we as women can do to create our best selves and to be able to lead a great life, a happy life, a WOV life. Welcome back, WOVs. Today, I am proud to welcome Adina Sash, a.k.a. Flappish Girl. Flappish Girl is a, an Instagram account as well as a media company that helps different companies get their message out there and promote them and encourage business. Not only is Adina a marketer, but she is actually now running for public office as district leader. Super exciting. Can't wait to hear about what she has to say. And keep listening. This week's episode is sponsored by Swaddleby. Whoever follows me on my Bariana account knows that I am obsessed with Swaddleby. Anyone who lives in my community knows that Yiddis is always going to be in one of her pom-pom headbands. Swaddleby is one of those businesses that creates unique creations for babies and toddlers. My favorite things that they have are, number one, their headbands and their custom embroidery items like 
I have a changing pad cover from them, which I love. And they're minky blankets. So many of my friends have ordered those minky blankets and told me that they have saved their child from teething, from not sleeping well, or for anything like that. So if you're interested in buying from Swaddleby, head over to our account, Instagram.com slash Swaddleby. That is S-W-A-D-D-L-E-B-E-E. And if you mention W-O-V with your purchase of $50, you can get a free pom-pom headband and match my baby foof. Welcome, Adina. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. So before we start, I want you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and one thing that you love about yourself. So um, I go by the name Compass Girl on Instagram. Um, in a very relatively short time, I was able to build up an audience of almost 40,000 followers. I love to advocate for uh, female faces within uh, from literature, and I love to give a voice to people who feel they've been unheard and feel they're on the fringe of society. Uh, something I like about myself is the ability to ignore people who tell me oh, it can't be done. Um, everyone else has tried this. Why are you bothering yourself? Um, and just to be able to filter out that noise to, from deterring me to continue. So I love your account. I think it's fun. I think it's hilarious. And I think that you are truly brilliant because you're using this platform to not only entertain, but also to advocate for things that you believe in. Thank you. I really, really love it. The thing is, not everybody loves it. Right, of course not. See, when you do anything that's not positive, you're going to have a reaction from the audience that's strong, right? Because if you're not trying to make change, then... Of course, you're not going to really have, you're not going to engender any strong reactions from the audience. But if you're trying to make change and you're trying to do things that um, are considered in some ways revolutionary, I mean, I mean, all those things I advocate for are not really that revolutionary. They're actually a bit sad how archaic, um, you know, we've been, some parts of our community are stuck in the past. Um, you know, in parts that are not based on Torah or Halacha but more on just, you know, customs that just continued, stubborn customs that continued for, with no basis. Um, anytime you try to engender change um, in, a, in a topic that's sensitive or that's been maintained for a long time, you're going to encounter um, backlash and resistance. Um, and if you don't really encounter those things, then that means you're not really hitting the right spot. Right. I just started learning this about my own account because... The minute you say something that somebody disagrees with, they'll jump in. You've never heard of them before. You don't know their name. You, you didn't even know that they followed you. But the minute something you, that they don't agree with pops up, oh, this, is where I, this is where I join in the conversation. A hundred percent. And you know, when I think back to myself, when I started using Instagram, like before I even had the Flapper still use it, like when I was just like myself and I was using it for like a week or two, I remember also really mostly interacting with things I disagreed with because it's easy. It's always easier to disagree with someone and it's easier to, um, 
wants to like, you know, be heard louder by saying how the person is wrong than by than by um, saying how the person might be right. It's just easier. I started to realize that social media was bringing out an uglier side of myself. I was able to like audit myself and say, Oh, wait, 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 I get, I get what I'm, I get the trap I'm falling into. Let me take a few steps back and let me like restart. That's really, that's really smart. But before you were Flatbush girl, you were Adina. Now that you're Flatbush girl, do people see you just as Flatbush girl or do they see you as Flatbush girl? And then Adina, is there, is there a differentiation between the two? I think that, of course, there is going to be a differentiation. It's really um, about the um, the viewer's ability to see nuance and to understand that parts of Flappish Girl are, um, you know, a caricature. Parts of them are not. Parts of them are, you know, parts of her are versions of myself. Um, I think that it really comes down to the to the person themselves. You know, some people have just decided to oversimplify what Flappish Girl means, and they've oversimplified it as attention whore. And then some people have oversimplified it as feminist. Uh, and some people have oversimplified it as, oh, like a mom, you know, from mom or something like that. I think that as we um, become a generation that is interacting on a huge network with thousands more people than our ancestors did on a daily basis, right? With the amount of interactions and dynamics that we're, that we're juggling on a day-to-day basis with the use of social media, um, giving us access to thousands of people across the world. I think that we are learning how to see nuance better and how to understand gray and not think in black and white terms. And it's those people who have um, built their muscle on, on what it means to be a multifaceted person rather than just, you know, a cookie cutter person with one or two um, summer summarizations who are able to see me as multifaceted. Right. I definitely see you as multifaceted. I see you as brilliant personally. Um, you, Thank you managed to um, do marketing for some really big accounts in the Jewish world. You are running for district leader in Flatbush. <laughs> like, okay, you've decided that it's not enough to exceed the amount of signatures required. You want to go big or you want to go home? Yeah. <laughs> I think it says a lot about you. And yet... There are Thank so you. many people who love to hate you. Yes, yes, they do. But you know what? I have to think them because you have to think about it. Think, try to think about it in terms of metrics and try to think about it like a machine, right? So Instagram has an algorithm, right? All social media platforms use an algorithm to decide which posts to show in your followers, in the followers' feed, in your feed, right? right. It used to be chronological, and then they started to optimize and use um, ways of gauging, oh, wait, what should we show in your feed? Because if you're following 3,000 people and it's chronological, you're going to end up wanting to leave the platform. So we need to filter through it for you and show you the best of the best, right? So one of the metrics and one of the ways the algorithm works is, are, do they find 
is there interaction going on with the post that doesn't only mean liking it it means a lot of hidden things going on in the background is is the viewer saving it is the viewer privately sending it to someone else is the viewer tagging someone in the comment is the viewer commenting with more characters you know than just five like cool exclamation point and without the haters my posts would actually really suffer and I would not be able to um, I wouldn't be able to get through this very strict filter in order to reach people who do hear the, the who, who my messages do resonate with so I think of the trolls and I think of the haters as actually members of my audience who help me spread my message more to new people, which is interesting and ironic, but that's really how my mind thinks of it. So that makes a lot of sense, <laughs> actually. Right? Like, so when you're posting something, right, it's very, it's what the mind does, it's very counterintuitive marketing, right? So the, your, your mind wants to think to itself, oh, but if I write it like this, some people are going to think I mean that. I don't want to trigger them. And if I write it like that, I don't want to trigger those people. So let me trigger as few people as possible in order to maintain a sense of positivity and success and polishedness and class to my post, right? But unfortunately, social media as an engine is not geared to promote or grow someone who is communicating that way with their audience. So it does end up perpetuating a lot of hate. There's a reason why there's a lot of um, hateful posts that reach to the top. I think hate is one of the most powerful ways to communicate and get your post to filter, to make it through the very, um, the like, the fine cheese-like filter. You know, like the cheese, uh, what do they call cheesecloth filters? Yeah. There's a reason that the posts that filter through there are either full of hate or full of sex, or full of uh, women being objectified, or full of humor, right? These are very powerful, passionate emotions that, um, that are contagious emotions, right? Like, if you see someone walking in, the, if you're watching a show, and the person on the screen is just, you know, has like a regular face on, right? It's not really pulling at, at your heartstrings. You're not, your, your sense of compassion isn't being pulled at. But if their nostrils are flaring and they're angry or they're crying and there's tears rolling down their cheeks or they're laughing, this means that if you're not going to use one of those methods to communicate with your audience, you're just making the hill so much steeper for yourself. And yeah, you'll be more polished and classy, but your message is not really going to go anywhere. So what you're trying to do is to get your message out, but put in a little bit of a, an interesting twist into it to get people's attention. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I'll either try to, like, I'll try to stick in an aspect that I hope will, will be a prompt for people. And I try to use humor as much as possible. I think it's a very, um, I think it's most aligned with who I am as a person. I happen to be very optimistic. I'm always looking for the silver lining. I'm not necessarily funny, but I understand that humor is an amazing way that like an amazing tool that unites people and, and engenders closeness of people. So I happen to love humor. And so I, I use it as much as possible in order to create social commentary. But there are some times where 
I'll have to use more of like a hateful spin or, um, you know, or, or a sad spin, you know? Um, and it's not, it's not really me doing it to, it's not completely me just trying to modify the algorithm. It's me, it's me guiding my emotions and my storytelling, understanding how the algorithm works. You put these spins on and you get some reactions that are great, that are intended. But when you get those reactions that are not so great, how do you not take it to heart? Um, you know, I would be, it would be silly to say I don't take it to heart at all. I, I definitely, I try very hard to stay, like to keep my guard up and recognize that these are, this is the result of me using the algorithm, you know, in, in the way I understand to. So it's, it's hard to, I, I, I try and I, I think I'm pretty good at it. I've definitely gotten better. I mean, I remember the first time I did my full video and like, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. I was like, Oh, I'm going to jump in the pool, do some social commentary about the pressures that women face, you know, feeling to feel glamorous within the community. Um, even when they're at the pool and I did not really fully comprehend what it meant to go viral in the Jewish community. And that day, and then the following two or three days, was really like a, an awakening for me, like to understand what it means to get thousands of messages from people who love you, people who hate you, people who think what you did was bloody, people who think what you did was empowering for women, and how to juggle those diversified reactions and to to not let either message really go to heart. I think, I guess really what I'm getting at is I don't let the compliments go to my heart and I don't let the hate because I'm really not here to get an ego boost. I'm not here to like, you know, be reassured and, and boost my self-confidence. Like I pretty much am, you know, my self-confidence is between me, myself and I, and I really try to keep out all reactions. You know, I just really try to think of it in terms of numbers. Like as my message spreading bigger, wider, faster, more like that. And I just try to become a little bit more robotic in the way I process some of the info. That's all. So if someone were to ask you for like a practical tip as to get on the road to caring less about what people's reactions are to your actions and to uninhibit themselves from, from being nervous about what other people think, what would you say? I would say that, I mean, I think this, prescription would work for, for most people. It wouldn't necessarily work for me, but I, I think what most people could maybe internalize is, is this, right? The risk of not getting your message and your truth out, whatever that is, right? And that can be anything. That could be, you, uh, you know, a mom who's um, whose child has an allergy to dairy and, you know, wants to, you know, create a community around mothers who have to modify their homes around, you know, cow proteins. It could be an artist who likes to use um, a certain sort of paint, you know, as a medium to express themselves and wants to create a community around people who, you know, whose that medium resonates with them. So when I say truth, it doesn't necessarily have to be this huge platitude. It doesn't have to be revolutionary. It can be very nuanced and very, very finite. So I would say the risk of not 
sharing your truth and enhancing the world with your truth is so much worse and sad and so much more tragic than the, than the negative responses that you may get from people who are not really thinking about you right after they say the comment anyways. They're, once they let it out, they're just expressing their own frustrations with their own lives, projecting that onto you, wanting to stifle you because they're not happy with their own lot in life. And to let someone like that be the reason why your truth does not get out is so tragic and so much of a bigger loss and risk, um, you know, than not having, than, than censoring yourself. What does your family think about your initiatives, be it Instagram, be it district leader, um, all of it? What do they think? What do they feel? They're extremely supportive. I mean, starting with my husband, he's been so incredible. I mean, we know each other since we're like eight years old. And just since then, it's literally been just best friends trying to, you know, trying to hack our ways through life. And it's been an amazing journey with him. And he's been so supportive. And from the technical side as well, um, he's been so instrumental in the videoing and the editing and the script writing and coordination and, and just being a sounding board for so many of my ideas and for really agreeing and, and even um, pushing both of us to, you know, include our whole family in on this journey. So, you know, so I have to really give him like all the credit in the world for that. And then with my parents, I just, I, they've just been always so supportive of me. I I was the only girl from my elementary school who, to go to the high school I went, went to, I was one of four girls in my high school who went to, for a trip to Russia. Um, I was always doing like the thing that no one else was doing. And, you know, I mastered in medieval literature when all my friends were mastering in speech and, you know, psychology and mental health. And they just always supported me on taking the path that felt right for me. Wow. Medieval literature. Who would have thought? <laughs> right? Wow. There's so much that people don't see beneath the surface. It's so crazy. You know what's funny? I'm, I kind of feel like I let it out in little doses, and I love surprising people with new parts of me. Um, you know, it's almost like teasing the audience a little bit, or it's like I think of it a little bit like strip teasing. Like, you don't want to take it all off in one minute. You want to do it very slowly, right? You want to tantalize. And I think of that in that way with the audience. Like, not everyone knows every part about me yet. And that's okay. That's part of it. For me, it's part of the growth. And it's also a way of understanding, you know, going lean and understanding how to communicate with my audience. You know, there's so much, there's only so much force feeding to do and learning the ways in which my audience likes to, to hear from me. Um, that's something that's a process that I, that's, that I've been learning over the last like year and a half. And so let's say there is a part of me that I want to reveal, right? Let's say I'll even pick one now. So let's say people don't necessarily know about me, right? Like I'll give you like a little exclusive thing, right? Ooh. So my son is in a charter school. He's not an issue, right? He's in a Hebrew charter school. So they learn everything in Brit, Brit, Brit. School is extremely Zionistic, um, but they don't 
discriminate against other cultures entering the classroom. And that's not something that I've felt yet that I've figured out how to communicate with the audience in a way that can be um, perceived and understood for what it truly is. It's not me saying to the yeshiva system. It's not me being kicked out of the yeshiva system. I've had so many yeshivas who've reached out to me and, you know, said we would love your son in our school. A lot about finances. It's about certain points of an argument that I'm not sure how to, how to posit yet to the public. And so um, by going lean in the ways in which I reveal myself, I get to understand more about how to continue to do that. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Do you think that you have more challenges um, pushing the envelope as a woman? I definitely think so. I think that if my gender, you know, I think if I was male and I just, yeah, just that. I think that if it was flappish boy or flappish guy, I think that it would be so much less hate to encounter. There's a lot of slut shaming that goes on on social media. There's a lot of the attention whore labeling. Um, you know, if a guy is sitting there strumming his guitar and singing a beautiful song with his beautiful voice, that's somehow talent to the claw and so nice. And then if a female does that, and I know this from speaking with many from females who, um, who are on Instagram and who have even private accounts and, you know, and who are not trying to violate Koisha um, halachas. And they're still constantly receiving barrages of, of abuse from mostly females, ironically. Wow. Mostly females telling them, my husband's watching you, I have to worry about my husband watching you, or this is not what we were taught and be scoundrels. And there's just so much challenges, not necessarily even from the males, but more from within our own gender. And I think that in many ways, females are standing in prison and holding the key in their hands. And they just don't see a way out. And they don't realize that all it takes is put your head through the door, take the key in your hand, unlock it, and step right out. But instead, I'm not sure if I, mean, I can go into it. I can say out the I can deconstruct, but I don't know if that's really the time right now, but, but they don't. They don't do that. They keep themselves imprisoned, and they imagine that there's a ceiling to which there's a, there's a glass ceiling that they imagine. And, you know, it does, it does hurt a little bit to, like, you know, hear the ceiling, but there's much more. There's so much more heights and so much more that we could all achieve, especially if we supported each other and there's just so much competition and hatred among females. I have very few female supporters. I really do, especially within the bigger blogger world. It's mind-boggling to me. I'm constantly reaching out to other female from bloggers who are who are smaller than me, bigger than me, you know, within the same follower count constantly sending messages of support, even sending financial support. When I have a client that's looking to align with a certain influencer, I constantly look for ways in which to line the pockets of fellow from females who have mastered their voices and who have created audiences because this is my way of showing them that I appreciate 
that they've that they've broken out of their their barriers and that kind of um, attitude and generosity has never been reciprocated towards me and that's fine that's okay uh, I continue to give back to these to, to these females and that's fine it's it's really it's not so much it's not resentment it's more like I'm just sad and disappointed that that because then that means there's another fellow from female that they're not supported. Forget about me. Don't support me. That's fine. I, I can handle it on my own. I'm actually stronger than most. But that means they're not supporting each other. And that means they're not supporting other fellows from women. And we're so much stronger together. And I feel like people use the word together. People use the word collaborate. People use these words. And they, they it's just fluff. It's just superficial. They don't actually put the actions in to, to mirror the messages that they preach. You reached out to me a few months ago, actually, to see yeah. if I was available to work with a certain company. Right. Turns out it didn't <laughs> work out. I do that all day. I really do that all day. I constantly look for people who need a, people who want, not a big break. I wouldn't say a big break because that's not really the definition of it. It's not like we're going to Hollywood, but <laughs> I remember what it was like when I had 2,000 followers. I remember myself reaching out to so many influencers and saying, how can I be of service to you? What can I do to, what can I give to you to have the honor and privilege of one day maybe making some sort of appearance on your story or even just earning a tag? And I was constantly ignored. And I promised myself that I would not forget that feeling for, for the little guy. And I, I constantly preach that. I mean, if you look even at the videos that I, that I make with other co-stars, it's not random the people I work with. I work with people, I, like, I'm, I'm selective in that there needs to be a certain appreciation of the opportunity. But other than that, it just has to be a willingness to want to collaborate and, and push, push females further. That's all I look for. And most people don't look that way. I really love the fact that you are not only focused on your goals, but you're also trying to assist other people in achieving their goals. I think that's incredibly beautiful and something that I don't think your followers do either. Yes, it's like I'm realizing how many things I don't let people in on. I don't. I guess I would have to. I don't know why. I guess I'm I'm strip teasing too slowly. <laughs> It's not you know what I mean? Like if the audience was a male, they would have just been like, I can't say goodbye. I'm done. You're way too slow. Like, this is too drawn out. I really do think that a lot of your, your followers are waiting to latch on to something you're saying in attack. I've seen it and it breaks mean. my heart. They love to but don't forget it. about the algorithm. Don't forget they're helping. They're helping the cause. I'm telling you, if this would happen to me, I'd be like crying in my bed. I'd be like, all right, it's, over. it's not worth it anymore. I'm done. Peace out, homies. It's a machine. You have to, you have to remove all, some of the emotion in order, in order to optimize more quickly, right? So if, you're, if your goal is speed, then you're going to have to shed a lot, of, a lot of the emotional aspects and just become much more cerebral about it. But if your goal is just, you know, slow and steady, which is fine and a very, and it's a very sustainable process. There are so many thriving businesses that have done the slow and steady um, 
I just opt for the quick, you know, quick and sloppy. I just find that it works for my style of creativity. Oh my gosh. Quick and sloppy. Love it. Yeah. That's, I just find that it, it just works for the way I, with the way I create art. Cause I really think of it as art. I think of it as, um, some sort of like creative expression or uh, a way of, you know, getting people to think, you know, I think a lot of artists create work to make their audience think or perceive things differently or to question certain preconceived notions they have. So whether one does that through drawing on canvas or, you know, making a movie or whatever it is they're doing, like for me, it's just, it's in the way I post and interact with the audience. And, um, yeah, that's just my style, you know? Have you ever had haters actually approach you in person? Um, not really. Not really. Um, and I think that also speaks a lot about how social media is not really reflective of how humanity is. A lot of people are saying like, oh, you know, there's so much going on on social media, like, that's who everyone really is. We're a hateful generation. And I think that a lot of people use social media for therapy. A lot of people use it as a punching bag. A lot of people come home, are not happy in their jobs or not happy in their marriages. And they use social media as an outlet. And sometimes I even feel like if it makes you feel better to use me as a punching bag, like keep going, like it's okay. You know, but keep going and make, make you sleep better at night, go for it. But, um, I guess my point is on that, uh, that I don't think that just because people troll or write negative things, that that means they're more likely to, you know, have a confrontation in the street in per, uh, you know, in person. I mean, I, I think that if there were to be studies done on that, I, I doubt there would be a correlation between someone who's a troll and someone who actually, you know, has, does any like physical, you know, hate crimes. Um, I mean, I hope at least maybe that's my naivete, but it's, it's definitely a risk I'm willing to take. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, it's 1130 at night. Like your father, so you can't like walk to your mother-in-law's house and, you know, pick up whatever. And I'll just, and I just think to myself, like, like I can't, you can't live life that way. You can't live life operating out of anxiety and fear. Um, you know, because like I said, bringing it back to, um, to what you asked about, you know, giving advice to someone who wants to, you know, who wants to speak their truth, but is afraid of the fear, right? Where I said to weigh the the risks of not speaking your truth versus the risks of having to, um, you know, crawl into the fetal position at night in fear. So it's the same thing with letting go of your anxieties in the real world, the risk of clinging to them and let's say not walking outside at night, obviously within reason, you want to take certain precautions or whatever, but you know, or not being able to go to the grocery store or being afraid of, you know, sending your kid to a, a camp where other people know, whatever, you know, that, that those types of anxiety, the risks of that is not living. And the risk of not living is not, is, is worth the, the stomaching of the anxiety. Wow. I, I'm so impressed by the amount of truth bombs that you've just dropped because not only is this probably going to be very helpful to everybody that's listening, but I'm internalizing every ounce of what you're saying right now. 
And I'm I really so, hope, so happy. I'm so happy you are. Yeah, I really hope that I can just hold on to it and really get my message out there. And you know what? If people don't like it, that's fine. Because if you don't have haters, are you really giving your opinion? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, I happen to have a lot of people who they reach out to me with certain questions, like, oh, they're in this predicament, or they did something like this on social media, or they're having this situation with their boss. Um, I'm definitely not like a, I'm not a life coach, but I, I, I happen to love being in the role of mentor. I, I don't know. It just, I, I have a certain way of honing in on what the person is actually saying. A lot of times people are too close to the situation to, to realize what they're actually saying or expressing or, um, or what the actual problem is. And so like, I, I guess for yourself or whoever is listening, like if you ever wanted to send me a DM and pose a certain question to me, it's really my honor and privilege to help you process through it. It's I, I answer every single DM that I get. I never, even if someone who writes, Oh, that's so cool. I don't just say, I don't just send like a heart. I'll like look at the username and their name is like risky. All right. Thank you so much. Risky. It means so much to me that you responded, you know, everyone's a person and if they're taking time to interact with your content, I mean, should they be It's taking them so for granted when you just send a stupid heart? I hear that you're treating everybody like a human. So wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. We need to get this out there. The primary elections for the assembly district leader will be on September 13th in Kings County. And if you are a registered Democrat, you can get out there and vote for Adina in this election. I'm really excited for you to make change, Adina. And if people want to follow your journey to hopefully uh, getting into office, how can they how can they follow you? Just follow me on Instagram. It's where I'm most active, at Flappish Girl. Um, always feel free to send a DM or, you know, reply to one of my Insta stories privately or feel free to comment on any of my posts. I'm pretty quick at learning people's names, faces, usernames, and, um, you know, taking into account their opinions. And, yeah, that's, I mean, there's other ways you can uh, follow my journey, but I think that that's the way to start. Amazing. Thank you so much, Adina, for joining. You have taught me so much and hopefully have provided the rest of us women um, the inspiration to just quit trying to keep to the status quo and just push for what it is that we really believe in. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. It was really great talking to you. Likewise. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the WOB Life. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the WOB Life. Thanks for listening.